The title of my message is Raise Them Up. I didn't get it from the country song, so don't worry. Um, I got it from the Bible. <clears throat> so we're going to raise them up. Go with me to Psalms chapter 127, starting in verse 3. I want to give you a little bit of encouragement before we jump into this thing. Children are a gift from the Lord. Say that with me. Say, children are a gift from the Lord. If you need to say that again to convince yourself that they're a gift from the Lord, go ahead and say it again. <laughs> children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. Now, back in ancient times, it was, it was, if you had a large family, the people in your community saw you as strong because you had a large family. And large families represented strength, especially if you was in the agricultural community where you, you had plenty of people to help you work the crop. Right? Say it's good to have help. Our kids work. <laughs> they work on our farm. They work every morning. They get out and feed animals. It's good to have help. So... But um, children are, are, that are properly raised can be launched into the world to do great things for God. Yeah. And so I want to give you something from Solomon, the wisest man that ever walked on the planet. Solomon said this in Proverbs 22. He said, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they're older, they won't leave it. You know what that means? That means that if you'll take time with your kids and very intentionally lead them down the right path of life, but first you have to be going down that right path in order to lead them down that right path. And if you'll do that, the Bible promises that when they get older, they'll continue. Now, what it doesn't promise is that they won't make some mistakes, that they won't run, and they won't do something stupid. It doesn't promise that. But it promises that when they get older, they will continue. Amen? So personally, I believe he's talking about taking your kids on the same spiritual journey that you're on. You can't take someone where you've never been. As parents, the first thing we got to do to be successful in raising kids God's way is to be in a rich relationship with Jesus Christ, be in his word, praying, walking with Christ, and then we can take our kids to a place that they need to go so that when they get older, they'll continue. Right? Ephesians 6, 4 says this, it says that fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Don't provoke your kids to anger. You ever provoke your kids to anger? You don't have to raise your hand. I did. <laughs> I'm not proud of it. But I've done that. But I've made mistakes and I've gotten back up and I've kept going and I'm, hopefully I'm better. Am I better? Say yes, son. Okay, good. <laughs> so Paul's referring to not provoking them to anger, but instead bringing them up with the discipline and the, and the instruction that comes from the Lord. When I was in my, tw in my 20s, my mid to late 20s, Cheryl was pregnant for our first kid, and it was all fine and dandy. You know, when they're pregnant, they're still in the womb. You know, it's no big deal. Hey, we're all good. Everything's fine, right, until they, they come out. And that, that steps it up another notch, but then when you leave the hospital, with the first one. You remember what it was like to leave the hospital with the first one? And it seemed like it never failed. Every time we were going to leave the hospital with the baby for the first time, they would gag on something or, or something would happen. And I, was it Virginia? She started choking up and I, I had to like grab the little suction thing and, and just suck. That's a pretty good sound effect, right? <laughs> I didn't even know that was there. 
But I, I pulled that thing out of her nose, and I was like, man, can we stay another day? Can, what's the weekly rate? I mean, I'm scared to go home. And I remember feeling that way, but also having this sense of responsibility that just weighed me down. And I went, God, what, what am I going to do? I've never raised kids before. My dad was never around when I was a kid. He left when I was an, just a newborn. I don't know how to be a daddy. And I remember praying to God one time, just saying, Lord, help. I don't know what to do. What do I do? And he gave, the Holy Spirit gave me this very, very simple statement. He said, do to your kids what I do to you, and you're going to be fine, and they're going to be okay. And I was like, hey. You know, he speaks to me different. Got to kind of break it down for me a little bit. But, you know, so he, he spoke that to me, and I just took that, and I haven't always been perfect at it, but I'm trying to do to them what God does to me. That means at times I have to give grace when I want to send them back to God, right? But at times I have to give discipline when they need it. Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 14. 2 Timothy 3. Watch this. Paul speaking to Timothy, one of his spiritual sons, who's getting ready to to take on a church. He's getting ready to, to pastor a church for the first time. He's a young adult. He's, he's new at this, but he's been raised right. And watch what Paul says to him in verse 14. But you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know they are, they are true, for, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from the childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ, Jesus. So Paul's saying to Timothy, remember the teachings you had when you were a kid. Now, Timothy was at the point where he's getting ready to go into full-time ministry, and he's getting ready to build God's kingdom at a full-time level. He's, he's succeeding in what God wants him to succeed in, but he only got there because of what his parents did when he was a kid. His parents took the Bible, and they taught him the Bible, or the scriptures that they had at the time. And for us as parents to raise godly kids, number one, you need to own a Bible. Number two, you need to read your Bible. And number three, you need to read their Bible with them. Pretty simple, right? It's not complicated. Get the word of God inside of them. And and there's all kinds of truths that come when you read God's word. I had this thought, the simplest way to change your life. How many of you want to know the simplest way to change your life? Two of you. I'm not going to tell you if I don't get three. Okay, the simplest way to change your life is to pick up your Bible, open it up, and read it. If you don't like what you see when you look around, open your Bible and read it. Just open the Bible. There's words of life in your Bible. Watch what, how Timothy finishes this, this chapter He says in verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Verse 17, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. I wonder if we can really do good works if we never read our Bible. You see, when I read my Bible, it reminds me that I'm not all that in a bag of chips. Right? 
But it does tell me that I am a child of God and I have purpose and meaning on this life and in this planet and and that God's going to use me. Right? So from the message translation, it it breaks it down this way. It says the Bible is there to, to do these four things. Show us the truth. Expose our rebellion. Correct our mistakes. And train us to live God's way. That's what the Bible does for us. So, so the opposite is true. Is if, if you never read your Bible, then you never get shown the truth. Then you never get exposed to your own rebellion. Then you never get corrected for your mistakes. And then you never get trained to live God's way if you don't read your Bible. Amen? I wonder if that's what's missing in the world today. Could it really be that simple that the world is where it's at today because people quit reading their Bibles? I mean, is that, can we get past the politics and past everything else and just say simply, if people would read their Bible, the world would be a different place? Could it be a different place? I'm glad a third of you are convinced. I want to tell you about my grandmother real quick. My grandmother was a very strong woman. My grandmother was, she's still one of my heroes My grandmother raised 10 kids. She had six boys and four girls. My grandfather died at 45, and my grandmother had to finish raising them. Only one of my uncles graduated high school. The rest of them dropped out and went to work. They were hoodlums. They were ruthless and toothless. I mean, they were a gang. (laughs) They were a gang. (laughs) And so my grandmother raised those those kids. And, And so when I came along, my mom was living with my grandmother. My dad had already left. And so my grandmother not only raised 10 of her own kids, she had to raise the rest of us grandkids at the same, at, thereafter. And, and so my grandmother was strong. She was well-trained in dealing with kids. Now, my grandmother, I caught my grandmother doing a lot of things. One of the things I caught my grandmother doing was worshiping. It'd be nothing to, for me to turn the TV off to get ready to go outside and hear somebody singing a hymn on the porch, on the porch swing. All the time. I mean, these are memories I have of my grandmother. She would always be singing hymns on the porch. And sometimes I would sit down and just hum them along with her. And she'd put her arm around me and love on me a little bit. I would catch my grandmother praying. I'll never forget her favorite prayer spot was on her bed right by her pillow by her nightstand. She would sit on the bed and pray. Now, my grandmother buried her husband and she buried four of her kids before she died herself. God told my grandmother before each one of her kids was going to die. Yet she stayed faithful through all of it. She never stopped praying. She never stopped worshiping. I would catch her fellowshipping. She was always at church hanging out with the the church ladies. Grandma was something else. My grandma was so strong, she used to whoop us. I don't know if your parents whipped you, but my grandma whooped us. And there's a vast difference between whipping and whooping. Can I get an amen? Anybody been whooped in your life, right? A time or two. (laughs) My grandmother had this fly swatter. That's what she used to wear me out with. And it had a head on it about this big and about that big. Now, in the first service, it was that big. I'm kind of getting a little more honest. But it was this big and that big. It had a big old handle on it. And on the handle, it says, Big Texas Swatter. (laughs) Grandma, if you took off running, Grandma could catch you around the corner. And my grandma beat me. I'm just going to say it, and I'm okay. I hadn't killed anybody, and I hadn't been in prison. So my grandma beat me, and my, my mama beat me. My wife don't beat me. My mama beat me. <laughs> Pray for me, please. <laughs> no. 
And so I'll never forget, man, grandma would wear me out. My mama would wear me out. But listen, I deserved it. I was a rebellious little kid. And I'll never forget this time. Grandma would always make me lean on the wall. You know, assume the position. And I'm like, oh, man. And it was always by this mirror. There was a mirror. I don't know what the mirror was for. I didn't want to see myself getting a whooping. Right? So I'd close my eyes and I'd just do like this. And, man, she would just, I mean, and they whooped. Whooped. Ethan told my wife one time, I'd rather you whip me than daddy because you don't whip as hard. She said, really? She pulled him back into the bathroom and whooped him again. <laughs> but my grandmother would whoop me, and I'm leaning on the wall, and sometimes I didn't know who was whooping me, and I'd always cry out for the other one that wasn't whooping me to come and save me. And I'll never forget one time I'm on the wall, and, and she's whooping me, and I thought it was my mama whooping me. I said, I want my mama. And she reared back. She said, I am your mama, boy. And she just wear me out again. and She loved me. She really did. She loved me enough to bruise my bottom. She wasn't going to let me get stuck and be who I thought I wanted to be. Right? You know, the Bible says that God disciplines those that he loves. And when discipline is done right, love is received. I'm going to say that again. When discipline is done right, love is received. Your kids will leave that moment knowing that you don't hate them, but that you do love them when it's done right. Right? So let me give you a verse for that, just in case you don't believe in spanking and you're one of these timeout people. I'm thinking, man, you know, I wish we'd had timeout back in my day. That wasn't even, that wasn't even an option. I mean, I'd have took timeout every time. I'd be like, um, I'll take a timeout today. I never had the option. I mean, nobody said time out until we, we had kids. And I was like, well, heck no. If I got whooped, they're going to get whooped. But let me give you a verse for that just, to, just so you don't know, so, just so you know I'm not just, you know, bent to one side too hard. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, 13 and 14, don't fail to discipline your children. They won't die if you spank them. It says it in the Bible. You can whip your kids. When the police can say, it's in the Bible. And I'm just joking. <laughs> Watch this part, though. Physical discipline may well save them from death. Go turn the news on. Somebody's dying on the street today because they don't respect authority. Because they didn't get disciplined when they were a kid. Now, I'm not preaching a message on whooping today, so don't worry. I'm going to change it up. But I want to talk to you today about how to raise them up. We're going to raise them up the right way. So number one, we're going to lead them in truth. You're going to lead your children in truth. The truth of what God says about them. The truth about, of, of what God says about you. Don't be afraid to break the lies that they believe. Sometimes our kids, I'll take that back. Our kids believe lies. How many of your kids have ever believed a lie? Raise your hand. That's it. Raise your hand if your kids have believed the lie. There you go. All right. This is a participation kind of church. Okay. You don't raise your hands. I preach an extra five minutes every time. But I'll never forget my oldest daughter came home. She went from homeschool to private school. And she came home one day and, and she was crying. And, and she said, I said, what's wrong, baby? She said, I, I don't have any friends and uh, I'm not likable and nobody loves me. And she was just believing this lie. 
And I could have just grabbed her and tat tat her and just kind of hugged her through it. But I said, you know what? I need, that's a lie. I, I, need to, I need to address this lie. You see, because I love her so much, Tata ain't going to get her past the lie. Only the truth will. So watch this. So I said, baby, you're going to be fine. Watch what God's word says. The Holy Spirit just gave me this. I open up the Bible to the verse that says, if you will be friendly, you will have friends. Imagine that. God's word tells me how to live. Tells me how to parent my kids. Did you know that? So I cracked open my Bible and I said, here, sweetheart, read this. If I am friendly, I will have friends. I said, baby, God said that. And if God said that, then it's going to be true. I said, so you quit believing the lie that you're unlovable. You are lovable and you are likable and you're going to have many friends. You see, I led her with truth. I crossed the lie with the truth and I broke that lie over her life. And now she has plenty of friends. Lead them with the truth. If you don't tell your kids the truth, the world's going to tell them some kind of a truth. If you don't lead your children, the world will. If you don't teach them, the world will. If you don't discipline them, the world will. You need to teach them what the Bible says about them. You need to teach them how God sees them. When God looks at your children, he doesn't just see a couple of knuckleheads. He sees their future. He sees their destiny. He sees their purpose. He sees the plan that he has for them. He sees a future version of them, but he's still in love with the current version of them. But he sees something greater than they see in themselves. And you need to help your kids realize that God sees you better than that. Amen? You need to speak words over your kids that are going to bring life. You need to call your kids names. Bible names. Kuyon is not a good name for your kids. And do you realize what you're saying? You're calling your kid a dummy. You're Kuyon. And we say it being laughing and, and joking, but honestly... Just saying. When I send my son to school every morning, <laughs> I say, what's up, genius? Let's have a great day, Mr. Intelligent. You got this. I, I got to speak that over him right now. He's having a hard time in school. I got to speak that over him. I'm washing him with my words, right? Your words bring life or death, and we need to lead them in truth. Number two, you need to expose their rebellion. Psalms 39, 8 says this. This is David crying out. He says, rescue me from my rebellion. Do not let fools mock me. If you love your kids, you will expose their rebellion because one day their rebellion will embarrass them and you. If we don't teach them what rebellion is, the world will. And there's a vast difference between the world's version of rebellion and God's version of rebellion. You need to expose them privately. Never expose your kids in public. You got to remember your goal is not to embarrass them or to destroy them. Your goal is to restore them and bring them back into a place of life. 
right? Listen, they got a full-time enemy that's trying to kill them and, and destroy them and steal their future. You need to be the one that constantly brings them back and raises them back up and restores them. That's why you do it in private. We never address our kids in public unless they need it, right? We address them in private. We address their rebellion. We're living in times where authority has no weight at all. It carries no weight. Our kids need to understand and respect authority, and that begins as early as possible. We need to learn to not take the consequences away from our children too quickly. (laughs) Some parents suffer all the consequences for their kids, and their kids never get to carry the weight of their actions. They never get to carry the responsibility for what they chose to do. And because of that, they don't know what it means to have consequences. So you get them out of your house, and one day you got a bunch of so-called adults that don't know how to suffer consequences. I don't think that's a vision of a kid ready for the world. Amen? Then once you've exposed their rebellion, you need to call them up out of it. When we correct our kids, the first thing, not the first thing I do, but when it's all said and done, we pray, we talk about why they got a whipping, and then, and then I call them up. What does that mean? That means I tell them, man, you're, you're better than this. You're bigger than this. You got a greater calling on your life than this. This isn't you. You, you shouldn't be acting like this. You're better than this. You got to call them up. Number three, you need to correct their mistakes. Psalms 15, 5 to 10 says, Only a fool despises a parent's discipline. Whoever learns from correction is wise. Whoever abandons the right path will be severely disciplined. Whoever hates correction will die. That's strong words. I believe we all want our kids to be wise, right? I mean, don't you want your kids to be wise? It's going to take some correction. I realized when I was preparing this message that, that most of the people, not all of them, but most of the people are usually on one, one side of the, or the other. You got the parents on this side that are so overprotective that their kids can't even scuff their shoes. I mean, they're like a force field around their kids, and they're like, no, baby, don't bump into this. Don't bump into that. When we get around parents like that, I'm like, I just watch. And you got to forgive me for this, but when their parents leave, I'm like, hey, come see Let's go kick the tree. How'd you get a scuff on your shoe? I turned my back for one minute and he scuffed his shoe. So you got some parents that will never let their kids make mistakes. And then on the other side, you got the other parents who let them make all kinds of mistakes and just call them an idiot for not learning from their mistakes. When I believe that God wants us to be in the middle where we can teach our kids from their mistakes. Has God not taught you from your mistakes? Have you not learned from your mistakes? That's the only way I learn. It's from my mistakes. But you teach them through it. You don't hide them from it. Get them used to correction when they're young. They'll learn to appreciate it when they're older. I'll never forget my mom was dying at 45. She's in the hospital with brain cancer. 
And I was raised in the church. I was at church on three times, three times a Sunday. I didn't need any more church. When I got to be 16 and 17 years old, I became very rebellious. And I, I put my mom through some stuff. I was an embarrassment to her and my grandmother, to my family. And in my mid-20s, I came back to Christ, got my life right, started living right again. And my mom's diagnosed with cancer. And she's in the hospital in a semi-coma. And I'm spending the night with her. And something just came over me that night. I just realized in that moment that I've been such a knucklehead. You ever have those moments where you just go, man, I was an idiot. And I just started feeling something different that I've never felt before. And I'll never forget, I went and got to the side of my mom's bed and I knelt down. And I just said that. I said, Mom, I don't know if you can hear me. I said, but I'm sorry for being so stubborn, for being so rebellious, for putting you what I put you through. I hope you can forgive me. And Mom, thank you for being hard on me. Because I realized in that moment, all the correction that I despised as a kid was the one thing that got me to where I was as an adult. That if my mom would have not corrected me, I'd have never got to the place that I was supposed to be at. You know, it's one of the downfalls or the sad parts about parenting is you don't always get to see your results right away. Sometimes you got to wait years and years and years to see the results. But I want you to look at me. When God's word says, if you'll train them and raise them and lead them in the direction that they're supposed to go, when they get older, they will continue. You need to hang on to that promise from God's word, because if he says, if you'll do your part while they're young, that he'll do his part while they're older and they will continue. They may stray away for a little while, but they're going to come back. And some of you are waiting for kids to come back right now. And listen to me, don't lose heart. They are coming back. Amen. They're coming back. Number four, last point. Train them in God's ways. In Psalms 119, it says, how can a young man or young person stay pure? By obeying your word. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know what that means? It just everything we've talked about comes back to this. That God gave us this inspired book to live by while we're on this planet. If we'll just open it up and read it and let it get deep down inside of us. He says, how can a young person stay pure by doing what the Bible says to do? How can he keep himself by hiding this into his heart? It's not the purpose is not to get it in your head. The purpose is to get it in your heart. The only way it goes from the head to the heart is when you obey it. I'm going to say that again. The only way the Bible gets from your head into your heart is when you do what it says and you realize that it's truth. Then you go, I'm never going to let that go. That'll be with me for the rest of my life. Are you hearing me this morning? Train them up in God's ways. Teach your kids the Bible. Read your Bible in front of them. Read their Bible with them. Listen, as parents, sometimes it's hard to just stop 
and spend time with your kids. Yesterday, I had a million and one things I wanted to get done. My wife was gone. I had the kids. Ethan had been at me all day to play basketball. And honestly, I don't, I'm 42 years old. I don't want to run. I mean, I'm enjoying the weather, so I don't sweat. I don't want to sweat. And so I'm like, he's like, Dad, come shoot with me. I'm like, no, man, I got to get inside and do my stuff. And I got to the, to the steps, and I, thought, I heard the Holy Spirit tell me, he said, what are you doing? What's your basketball? What's your boy? And I was kind of like, really? I put my stuff on the back porch, and I turned around in my work boots, and I went and I played basketball with my son. Now, I was dying. We played a game to 10, and I was dying. I had to go sit on the ice chest. I was like, <gasps> and then my little girl came outside and she wanted to play. We had to play another game. You know what? I'm glad I stopped. I'm glad I stopped and just spent a little bit of play time with my kids because you know what? I ain't going to get too many more times like that. It's not going to be too many more days like that where I can just sit down and enjoy them and laugh and cut up and poke at each other and I'd get to eight, like game point, and he'd call a foul. I'm like, bro, what you, this is your rules. I mean, man, what you doing? And we, my neighbors were probably like, what the heck are they doing? So let me give you a few things that you need to let your kids see in your life. Let them see your passion for God's presence. You need to relax. Don't let everything bother you. Just relax. You're not building a Bible scholar. You're not building a perfect kid. You're building a follower of Christ. Right? They're not going to be perfect. The disciples weren't perfect. Let, Let them catch you studying your Bible. Let them catch you praying your guts out for them or someone else. Let them see the miracles around them. Let them watch you get up when you fall. Let them forgive you when you blow it on them. You ever stop and ask your your kids to forgive you? You know, one of the temptations of being a parent is that you're always right. Well, that's wrong in itself. You're not always right. And we make mistakes. And we lose it sometimes. One of the most humbling times I ever had with my son was, because I'm the hardest on him, is is we were working outside and I just lost it on him. Just lost it. And I hurt him. I cut him. And I didn't say, I'm sorry. I didn't say nothing. I just left him bleeding. And that night, the Holy Spirit began to deal with me. And I called my pastor. I said, Pastor Bubba, I, I blew it, man. I said, I lost it on Ethan. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to make it right. What do I do? He said, well, go and repent and ask him to pray for you. I was like, what? Ask him to pray for you. I said, okay. Most humbling thing I've probably ever done. I went to his bedroom that night and I said, son, I blew it. He said, I'm sorry, man. I got on my knees and I said, will you forgive your dad for blowing it? Like a good kid. Sure, dad, no problem. I forgive you. I'm like, Phew. I didn't know what I was going to do if you didn't forgive me. And then I just said this. I said, would you pray for me? He said, sure. He was kind of surprised. I was kind of surprised. He put his hands on me and he prayed for me. I needed that. Right? 
You know what I taught him in that moment? That, son, you don't ever have to be perfect. But when you blow it, you can go and ask for forgiveness. I taught him how to repent in that moment. Are you seeing that? If I never do that, he never gets to understand how to, how to come back from a moment that you've blown it. Are you seeing this? So let them forgive you when you blow it. Let them know when you're trusting God for a need. Your kids need to know that you're going through something as a family. Don't hide that from them. Because when they get out of your house, one day they're going to go through something. You're going through a financial crunch. Don't hide that from your kids. Let them know. You know they don't need to know all the details, but let them know that you're going through something. And get them to pray along with you. When I was down with my back, one of the blessings that, that I had through the whole thing is that sporadically my kids would come into the, into the bedroom where I was laid on the floor and they would lay hands on me and they would pray for me. Mama didn't have to send them. I didn't have to beg them to come. They would just do that. You know how they learned that? They learned that from me and Cheryl praying for one another and they learned that from us praying for them. Let them kids see that. Bring them on the spiritual journey you're on. And teach them how to battle in prayer. Your kids need to know how to pray. And just on a side note, one of the greatest gifts you can give your kids is a good marriage. Stop worrying about how much money you're going to leave them with and start worrying about what kind of a marriage you're going to leave them with. The best thing I can give my kids is me and Cheryl's relationship. Amen? So do everything out of God's love for you. Be quick to forgive. Speak life over them. And just go for it. And don't quit. When you blow it, get back up and do it again. 